Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. To celebrate Marketplace's 35th anniversary, we made some throwback thank you gifts you can get when you donate during this March fundraiser. We took our old dot-com era logo and put it on a sticker, a glass mug, a tote bag, and a t-shirt. No matter how you donate, you can get a fun piece of Marketplace history. Check them out at marketplace.org slash give tech. These limited edition gifts are only available through March 22nd. Get yours at marketplace.org slash give tech. The U.S. gets tough on data sales. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. It's Friday, and that means it's time to dig into some of this week's tech headlines in today's Marketplace Tech Bytes Week in Review. There are signs that the semiconductor supply shortage is finally easing up as more companies nab chips to power their AI ambitions. Plus, Apple reportedly hits the brakes on their plans to create their own electric vehicle. But first, there is significant movement on data privacy policy. This week, the Biden administration signed an executive order restricting the sale of American user data to countries of concern. Natasha Mascarenas, reporter at The Information, joined me to discuss. We're seeing a number of policies from the Biden administration, um, both formal but also um, around you know, certain companies such as TikTok. And so when I saw the DOJ draw up this um, you know, plan to enforce a number of restrictions, my first question was, okay, what are the countries of concern? And those are very much a lot of ones that we've you know, already seen policies around China, Russia, North Korea, um, Iran, and others, according to reporting. And so, um, yeah, I, I definitely am seeing this as like a continuation of a lot of the policies and, and worries that we've seen from the administration so far around data leakage. Yeah. And computer hacking was already prohibited in the U.S., uh, but buying sensitive data through brokers is still legal. And so that's where this crackdown comes into play. Do we have a sense of why the administration is doing this now? I imagine that part of it is that the administration is only seeing this worry grow. Like you said, like the fact that data brokers and companies can still sell American data to organizations that are in, you know, countries that can be adversarial to the United States, especially China and Russia. That still being a fact is something that I'm sure the administration has been working on for a while. But I would be remiss to, you know, not assume that AI is making things move a lot faster and data is the big conversation in AI right now. So I understand why the government is thinking about it, you know, globally. Yeah. And who are the potential winners and losers here? I mean, I think certainly the administration wants to project that this is a win for American consumers, but the stakes seem a lot higher than, you know, a conversation around individual user data. 
Totally. I mean, I think that Axios did a great job explaining um, how this is, you know, different than just a few bad actors getting a slap on the wrist and no longer being able to sell data to um, brokers because U.S. buy agencies also purchase data sets from brokers, too. And so when it comes to, you know, winners and losers, it's great to be able to maintain a little more privacy and and understand more about social media activity and, and you know, and, and obviously stop potential hacking. At the same time, where the enforcement will be and where you're going to be drawing the lines is something that um, I think they're still figuring out. Absolutely. And we actually had on Marketplace Tech a couple of months ago, researcher Justin Sherman from Duke, uh, who has been looking at how data brokers sell the information of active duty service members. Such an important issue. He talked to us about how if a foreign actor can figure out who, for example, is in debt. That's an opportunity for blackmail, and that can have national security implications. Really interesting segment produced by my colleague, Rosie Hughes, and we have that link posted on our website, marketplacetech.org. On to our next story. The semiconductor chip maker NVIDIA continues to dominate the market, and you've been reporting on how companies that are either working in AI or trying to pivot to AI, who isn't, they're all trying to get their hands on as many of these Uh, graphic processing units or GPUs as they can. Um, What you're finding is that the crunch seems to be easing a bit. Totally. So last week, um, if it was already last week somehow, um, NVIDIA CEO Jensen Wong told investors that the um, you know the supply is improving. Nvidia's supply for chips is improving, um, and it's something that AI software developers, founders that I've been speaking to, both reacted to with a exhale, and also you know a little bit of like, okay, we can finally kind of take yeah, I mean honestly, take a minute to to think about how we're spending money. And you know this, but just a reminder is chips are not you know magic dust on top of AI. They're a lot of times like the means to an end for an AI company. They're what help them do the actual work. And so um, for the supply to be easing has a ton of ripple effects for the industry. And it was fun to write a story about how things are, you know, for one small portion, um, getting a little bit easier for founders right now. Yeah, I bet that's very welcome news. Um, And I was interested to learn that companies often rent these chips, like the H100, which is the most advanced chip that NVIDIA makes. Talk to me about the factors that are causing... um, this crunch to ease a little bit right now. Yeah. So like the NVIDIA CEO said, a part of it is just the natural change in supply. Now that there are more chips that NVIDIA is able to offer for either purchasing or renting, companies are able to kind of, yeah, find access and and, and be able to afford it. Another factor is that AWS um, from Amazon has introduced a new service that makes it easier for companies to rent those chips. And I personally have been talking to so many investors that are finding GPU resale marketplaces, which will take a big cluster that might be too expensive for a company to buy, break it up in little chunks and kind of price it uh, according to demand. So you no longer need to be, you know, sitting on 15.2 billion to access um, a trip if you're uh, an early stage startup. And and so that's one of the factors. It's just kind of this maturation in the market and also uh, more supply from NVIDIA's end. Yeah. So what happens next here? The question is very much like, if even if it's easy to access, how are we going to see price change? Obviously, NVIDIA has had insane growth revenue-wise because of this demand in chips. But um, I'm already hearing um, people say that even the demand is still there, we're being a little bit more picky on price. 
Um, and so really just trying to understand like our uh, founders and our people who are running AI models going to be paying up for things if they are more specialized, whether, such, such as the new H100 chip, or are they fine with an A100 chip, which is a, a earlier version? Those are some of the questions is like, is maturation going to at all squeeze NVIDIA or at all change the demand for what NVIDIA has to offer? And then of course, like margins and the actual success of business um, still matters. And so I'm interested personally to see now that you no longer have to overspend on chips, how are we seeing these businesses actually start to make money in AI? Um, something that we actually are not still seeing too much of. Huh, good point. Natasha and her colleagues at the information all over this topic. <laughs> we'll be right back. You're listening to Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Dramali. We're back with Natasha Mascarenas. On to our third and final one. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this Me one. Too. Apple has given up on its plans for a proprietary electric vehicle. I'm going to ask you to pack in as many driving puns and cliches as possible, please, as we discuss this one. And I will start us off <laughs> with what caused this effort to sputter? Oh my gosh. Well, I don't want to steer anyone the wrong way. You know, probably more than an effort. This is not something that was a beta project. It's not something Apple was toying with. They have put so much money into an attempt to build a self-driving car. And, 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 and last week after this news was, was broken, my colleague, uh, Wayne Ma wrote a story about how last August Apple had spent like several of its prototypes of self-driving cars on this 40-mile trek through Montana, and there were aerial drones filming the drive, and it was all about showing Apple CEO Tim Cook about how this autonomous car project titled Titan was making progress. You know, fast forward now, they're also pivoting to AI, and we're seeing um, Apple abandon those goals. And so that was my big takeaway of the week. It was Apple's not giving up on a hope, it's giving up on something it put a lot of money and time into. Yeah. So it must be very hard to uh, cut the cord on something like this. <laughs> or pull the plug, if you will. Um, I've, <laughs> and I've covered my, my fair share of Apple launch events in the Tim Cook era. And uh, I feel like after the release of the Apple Watch almost a decade ago now, there was a real sense that the company was moving at a very incremental pace with products that it already had. Um, I remember one event where um, it was <laughs> the stylus was this new feature being added to the iPad oh and gosh. everybody was going, <gasps> Steve Jobs hated styluses. Uh, so a lot of gasps in the crowd. And I wonder though, you know, can this company still do big things is the question, right? Of course. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there are lions down the street anytime Apple introduces anything. And it is, you know, obviously hard timing for them to be announcing a, them giving up on something that they spent eight years on. But like, let's not forget, they just launched the Apple Vision Pro, which I personally have been seeing all around Los Angeles oh, this wow. week. Good to <laughs> um, know. Yeah. And, and, and I say that only because, I mean, yes, we don't know the success of that. But I do say that because it is very clear that Apple has massive ambitions to build something that is um, a new form factor and not just exist with their current hardware and push themselves on that. And so whether it's um, a generative AI wearable or it's, um, you know, the Vision Pro, which could also be a generative AI wearable one day, I, I imagine that it's going to get there. I do think that, you know, it's safe to say now that if they're giving up on this project, not reducing it, but giving it up on it, then we, we probably won't be seeing an Apple car um, in the future. 
I'm very interested to see how the Apple Vision Pro performs. Uh, to your point, I feel like that is um, a real opportunity for Tim Cook to prove his critics wrong. And the last thing I'll ask is just about, you know, what happened here, my understanding is that autonomous driving kind of got into the mix at one point and then wasn't part of it anymore. And that just seemed like it ended up being too hard to pull off and may have been a distraction. Yeah, you know, it's hard because innovation is something that looks like a distraction until it clicks. And then you kind of realize that it either was really worth betting your legacy on, betting billions of dollars on, um, or or not. And I think in the case of Apple, it's been, like I said, it's been something that they've tested hundreds of vehicles on, um, but it's also had a ton of turnover. Like parts of its division were shuttered. There was um, layoffs. There was um, changing of guard a ton of times. And so I think that's what kind of makes me kind of think about the future of them building a car was it wasn't just that building an autonomous vehicle was hard. I think it was also like strategy behind it was something that Apple clearly struggled with. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if, if there's anyone to do it, I, I'm, I'm sure I'll be surprised by them soon. But yeah, hopefully the next update we hear from them is not a stylus and we're more revved up <laughs> about the future. <laughs> that was Natasha Mascarenas at The Information. You can find the full video of this episode of Marketplace Tech Bytes Week in Review on our YouTube channel, Marketplace APM. And subscribe, if you haven't already, to watch us every Friday. Daniel Shin produced this episode. Jesus Alvarado and Rosie Hughes also produce our show. Lydia Ayano is our intern. Becca Weinman and Gary O'Keefe are our engineers. Daisy Palacios is our senior producer. Kelly Silvera is our executive producer. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.